0: Welcome, everyone. My name is Darren Snow, and I am the senior pastor at Crossroads Community Church in Aurora, Illinois. And I am so glad that you are joining us in our series on the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus called Walking in the Light. Are you thankful for our worship team this morning? Can we just give them some love? Amen. Appreciate them so much. It's my joy to welcome you to Crossroads this morning. You may be seated. Uh, My name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're delighted that you are here with us. If you're joining online, our prayer uh, is that our time of worship and teaching would be a blessing to you, as we know that it will be, not because of me, uh, but because the Word of God is truth and it's good, uh, and it helps lead and guide us in this dark world uh, where so many are grasping for the truth and hope that we can only find in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're so glad that you're here. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. If you're new to the church, we are uh, in the home stretch the final six weeks of what will be a 26-week journey through Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. It's going to get really good over these next few weeks because we will uh, navigate through some content, the armor of God. You probably have heard something about that before. So we're going to really get into the battle of things. Uh, As we uh, get further into chapter 6, which is the final chapter in Ephesians. Uh, What we've learned so far, Pastor concluded chapter 5 last week. And chapter 5 was a a really cool journey to help us understand coming out of chapter 4, which is much about spiritual growth, uh, that in chapter 5, God continues to be our authority In every area of our life. And so we had a lot of discussion in and around relationships in chapter five. So God doesn't stop being the authority over here. He wants to be our authority, our leader, our guide through it all. So God, our authority, and then the church as our accountability in this journey of life. Not to be hypercritical of one another, but to inspire, encourage motivate, edify one another toward this journey that we literally cheer one another on in this victory walk, if you will, that we are having every day of our lives as children of God. And what we have also seen is God's order and his design, his intelligent design for the family unit. And when you live according to God's design, what you tend to find is peace and joy, and contentment in our familial relationships. And when we do not fall under God's order, we tend to see chaos and disruption there. So Paul's going to discuss the relationship of parents and children, children to parents, as we turn the page in chapter 6, or read with me as we continue to learn from God's word, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, we have some context as the backdrop to this command today. So in Exodus chapter 20, we see God institute the Ten Commandments. Now, this is one of the ten. Children, honor your parents. Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments, it's God helping his nation, the nation of Israel, see here's a framework for how you should live in relation to God. So God provided that to them to give them an idea of what his expectations were as their God and they as his people. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 6, what we know as the Shema, we see the great commandment given to the nation of Israel, that is to love the Lord your God with everything, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what's interesting, the very next verse is, and teach these things diligently to your children. So we see God instruct the family in the Ten Commandments. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 6, God reinforces instruction to the family. So that's the backdrop going thousands of years prior from God in relation to Israel. Now in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul reinforcing these same truths that nothing has changed in God's design of the family. So if we were to sum it up very simply for the parents and guardians in the room, that we have a spiritual responsibility to love God and to teach our kids about God, period. That's the simple call of a parent from God's perspective. Now, there's so much more we do as parents, but if we boil it down very simply, love God and teach your kids about God. God's order is so important because it is the key to honoring Him in our families and relationships. So, so I want us for a moment to take a step back and have a high level view. Let's get above the family unit for just a minute and see that what really is going to happen when we fall under God's instruction and do what he asks us to do, it's point of truth number one. Honor begins with honoring the creator. And so the goal here, as he instructs, honor your parents, it's really about honoring the creator because when we submit to and live our lives in obedience to God's command, that's what happens. The creator is honored. We've got to see that the family structure is according to God's intelligent design It's not man's creation, it's God's creation. So the responsibility we have as parents is a tremendous privilege that God has given to us and when we do the things he's called us to do, it honors God. And I want our young people to see that as well. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right, hard, stop. So for our young people in the room, preteens, teenagers, young adults, wherever you are, in that life stage this morning, the instruction of obeying your parents again is about ultimately honoring the creator. You see, when we get in the teenage years, and uh, sometimes you may think that your parents just have nothing better to do, but wake up every morning and try to make rules to make your life miserable. That's what we just love to do as parents. We have nothing better to do. Let me have a cup of coffee and see how I can make my kids miserable today trust me, there's much more to life that we want to do than make your life miserable. But that's what it seems in the narrow view that young people have before you can get older and appreciate what your parents are trying to do. But I want you to see young people today is that you living in obedience to your parents is right in the eyes of God. So at the end of the day, when you obey mom and dad, you honor your creator. When you push back against your parents, you are actually pushing back on your creator. You see, your parents have one authority over their life, and that is Almighty God, not you as their kid. God has placed them in your life to help you, to lead you, and to guide you, and you've got to see this as a young person. When you push back on mom and dad, you're pushing back on God's order and design. That's not the place you want to live your life in. Because when you push back against mom and dad, when you disobey, what happens as a result of that? Anger, stress, anxiety, the house gets crazy, doesn't it? When you just refuse to do what your parents do, when you listen to your parents and you obey them, what happens is fairly peaceful. Not a lot of craziness taking place most of the time when you obey. Why is that the case to my young friends in the room? Because when you live according to God's design, you can find peace, you can find joy, you can have that anxiety reduced because you're falling in line with the way God has designed these relationships to function. Now, some of you may say it's pretty peaceful, but you know you're doing these things behind your parents' back, they just haven't found out yet. (laughs) Well, I still got peace and they just don't know. Remember, honor begins with honor in the Creator. Guess who knows everything you do? The Lord your God. So you may say mom and dad don't know yet. They'll find out eventually, FYI, just a little disclaimer there. But the creator knows, and here's my concern for you as a young person, and many young people go through this. You rebel against your parents. You're doing things behind their back. You're really rebelling against God. And if you develop at a young age a pattern for rebellion, that's not going to end well for you. And when you really dig into the Bible, you wanna know one of the things God hates? It's rebellion. When you know what he wants you to do and you're out of order and you're doing things according to your life and when, when you find yourself in that place of rebellion, go study in the Bible what God thinks about rebellion. He hates it, honestly. So you gotta be real careful that we don't complicate this and that you don't fall in love with what the world wants you to do. Where God wants to keep you as a young person protected for your own good is within the boundaries that your parents have established for you because at the end of the day, that honors the God who gave them to you. Now, I know for many of you, there are probably some wounds when you consider your relationship with your parents Maybe you had great parents. Maybe you did not have great parents. Some of you have parents that you despise, if we're just honest. Maybe, maybe that's deserved. But at the end of the day, this idea of honor, you have a lot of trouble with as you contemplate. how I, I can't honor them. I don't respect them. They didn't love me. They treated me poorly, so forth and so on. So this idea of honor, let, let us have a little more discussion here with this one, especially for those of you who might have some wounds in this area. So I want you to go with me on a journey for just a moment, and let's set aside the actions of your parents. And I want you to go with me to the New Testament, to a story where Jesus had an encounter with a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a man the Bible describes as small in stature. When Jesus would come into the city, he would gather quite the crowd. So chaos was all around Jesus. He was All the buzz. He's like a celebrity walking in town. So so all of these crowds followed Jesus. He was healing people, performing miracles, and everyone wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus. And so Zacchaeus, as a little guy, is trying to find his way in there. And the only way he could get a good vantage point was he climbed into a tree. And you know what was amazing about all the people around Jesus and all the chaos is Jesus noticed Zacchaeus. Now, here's what you need to know about him. Not only was he a small guy, but Zacchaeus was a tax collector. In that culture, first century, despised. People had no respect for tax collectors, and that was well-deserved. He took advantage of people, fraud, you name it. Those guys were not good people. So the religious leaders were very critical of Zacchaeus, but Jesus noticed him, and Jesus said, I, I'm going to come hang out at your house today, Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is a little taken back and the religious leaders are grumbling. Can you believe he's going to go into the house of a man that is a sinner? So the religious leaders were focused on his actions. They were focused on Zacchaeus' reputation. That's the only value they placed upon him were his actions and his reputation. But I would argue, church, that Jesus placed a value upon his soul regardless of his reputation, regardless of what he had done. And Jesus was willing to go and hang out with Zacchaeus. I would argue he showed him, extended him a bit of honor. It was an honor for Zacchaeus to have Jesus in his presence, much less in his home. But Jesus went there. He spent a little bit of time with him. Did he deserve it? Absolutely not. But from that encounter, Zacchaeus' life would change forever. He gave a huge portion of what he had taken advantage of people for sold it tried to make the right wrong and Jesus said salvation has come to your life Zacchaeus so what I'm trying to get at here is I think there's a way to show honor where respect is not deserved because honor and respect church are two different things respect is earned So for someone, you might have parents who deserve no respect from you, and rightfully so, but can you still honor them? What you're going to have to do is place a value on their soul, not their reputation. And I don't say that to say that that's really easy, but I think that's the way that God would want us to look at this, that you can honor someone without respecting someone. But regardless of your parents' actions, a Christ-like honor, I think, is the right thing to do through maybe simple acts of kindness, knowing that their soul matters to God. And here's point of truth number two, that honor actually acknowledges the value of the person. So you've got to set the actions and reputation aside. And I'm not saying that's easy. But can you honor even the worst of parent? I think you can. But you have to acknowledge the value of that soul. Does that soul need Jesus probably? Sure. Has that person maybe done a lot of wrong things to you? Sure. But I still think we can find the ability to value someone's soul and show them a little act of kindness, a little act of honor, regardless of their reputation. At the end of the day, what this is going to require of you is to view your parent or parents through a gospel lens, understanding that Jesus went to the cross for them as well. By no means does that excuse their actions in your life, especially if those actions were abusive in any way. But I do believe that may be, that is a way that you could still honor them. You know, a lot of times honor is, is hardly about what is deserved, but it's about digging in and asking the question, what in this situation is going to honor God? Because in the worst of circumstances, your parent coming to know Jesus would be worth the effort of honor because it would change everything, just like it did in the life of Zacchaeus. It's just a thought. As Paul continues in verse 4 of Ephesians 6, we'll now see the powerful influence of fathers on the family. Read with me in verse 4. Paul then instructs, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So what Paul digs in here now is to prove what we know to be true, that those of us who are fathers have a natural position of power and influence in our family's lives. What Paul's digging into here, dads, is that you have a relationship to kids who are impressionable. That your behavior matters. Do you see why God recommends for you to be a man who falls under God's leadership and gives your life to Him? Because we all desperately need help. With this, but to see by nature of this position of power and having impressionable kids that even in the area of their emotions, we make an impact on their lives. Now, this word for provoke is a Greek word that means to exasperate, irritate, and frustrate. So at the end of the day, fathers, what do you see your kids as? An opportunity? for you to leverage your influence in their life, to promote the character of God and the things of God? Or do you push them too far at the wrong moments, maybe have unrealistic expectations, and maybe you're focused on all the wrong things in their life, and you're leveraging your position of authority, and it's not producing or promoting the character of God, but maybe it's pushing them to an unhealthy place emotionally. Because you have the power, dads, to do that. And that's where we have to be really careful that we, as dads, have an opportunity by nature of our position to see our kids and develop them emotionally and under the direction of the Lord. And here's one way that I would recommend that you can do this from the Word of God that in your home, Beginning in your life as a father or mother or guardian, whatever that situation looks like. Because not everyone has dad at the house and so forth. So this is complex here uh, in all the different ways it looks with guardians and so forth. But if you are the guardian in that home making an impact on a child's life, I would encourage you to start with promoting the fruit of the Spirit. That is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if you're new to the faith or maybe you're experienced to the faith and you ask yourself the question, how can I promote the fruit of the spirit in my home? Just make that list. It's one fruit, by the way, it's singular. So God uh, would like for us to see all of that fruit produced in our life. It's, It's one whole product of the Holy Spirit in us. And just ask yourself the question, how can I be a man or a woman, a guardian that would promote this fruit? How can I be more peaceful? And the Bible can help you in that. How can I bear the fruit of patience and gentleness for my children? The reality is, is the fruit of the spirit is not particular or subject to any personality type. So you can't say, well, I'm just, I'm just my personality. I'm not very patient. This is the fruit of the spirit here. So it means that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God can transform in you to be a patient person. God can transform in you to be a gentle, loving, kind person. So list those out, examine your heart, and and just simply pray. Make it a part of your daily prayer life to say, God, help me be a man. Help me to be a woman, a guardian, not only for my own good, as a Christian, but for my family to promote the fruit of the spirit, because this father that Paul's talking about that provokes his children to anger is a father that promotes the attitudes of the flesh. It's a father that does not check his attitude at the door, or I would say at the cross, but a father who just goes about and doesn't think about how impressionable and powerful the position of a man in the home really is. It's the greatest tragedy in our country right now. Let me say one of them so I don't just make a broad sweeping generalization. But one of the, the major issues in our country is the fatherless household. Statistics bear it out to be true. It's an issue. So, Dad, you may be feeling the weight this morning you may not have done this well, but it's never too late. But it, it starts with taking responsibility for your own spiritual walk with God. And here's the key, men. If you want to see the fruit of the Spirit produced in your life and to be this man that promotes the fruit of the Spirit, not the attitudes of the flesh, not an angry household, but a peaceful household, you got to stay connected to the vine that is Jesus Christ. John chapter 15, probably familiar to many of you. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will do what? He will bear much fruit. There you go. It happens naturally. And then Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So you can't be a non-spiritual man, a non-having-placed-your-faith-in-Jesus man, and be a spiritual dad it doesn't work that way because your flesh can't produce the fruit that only the Holy Spirit can so you got to take responsibility for yourself first and foremost and it's never too late to do that it's never too late to do that and I think what happens as a result of this is a natural path to respect and then honor So I think if you're having to demand respect and demand honor, I think it comes much more naturally as you submit your life to Jesus and come humble to your family and view your parenting and your family through a gospel lens, knowing you're never going to do this perfect, but you keep the gospel and you come humble to your family, I think respect and honor will be well on its way for you. But if you find yourself at times having to demand these things, maybe if you come by the way of the cross, that would happen a little more naturally. Because if we're not careful, you can demand respect and honor from a position of pride. You can be posturing from that position of authority instead of allowing God to transform you and making it clear to your family, hey, I'm a work in progress I don't have all this figured out. I'm not perfect. But Jesus is going to help me be the man that God is calling me to be. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, the prophet said from the Lord to the nation, Far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor. Those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. So you want honor? The only person's opinion that matters is God's opinion. And he says, hey, you honor me, I'll honor you. Imagine that. It goes all the way back to point of truth number one. Honor begins with honoring the creator. So if you're a dad, you're like, I'm not perfect, but you aspire to honor Almighty God. He's going to meet you in your weakness. He's going to meet you in your lack thereof and empower you and equip you to be the man that God has called you to be. But your objective has to be to honor him, not honor yourself. You got to come underneath the leadership of God. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, Jesus said this This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. See, it's not solely about what you do. A lot of times we're really good at saying things and even doing things, but God is after much more of you than just your actions. Jesus didn't go to the cross for you to alter your behavior. Jesus went to the cross to get your heart, mind, and soul and radically transform you into a difference maker in this world. That's why he went to the cross. He didn't do that just for you to alter your behavior a little bit, go to church every now and then, read the Bible every now and then. He died and rose from the dead to give you victory, to equip you to make a difference in this world. That's what he wants for you. He doesn't want people who just give him lip service. He came after a heart change. It's the head to heart transaction. That's what Jesus came to accomplish in all of our lives. In Romans chapter 10, Paul wrote If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. is with the heart that you believe and are justified. It is with the mouth that you confess and are saved. Is the confession important? Yes, but it's the heart that matters the most. And out of that faith of the heart, a confession of truth into who the Lord Jesus is. If you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's your first step toward a heart change and listen men if you've missed that step that's always the first step for you don't start trying to do all the church things you place your faith hope in Jesus Christ first with all of your heart and then you will be on your way not to being a perfect father but the best version you can be if you will be devoted to God that's all he wants for you But what the world wants for you is to be a career-oriented man. And there's nothing wrong with career but to sacrifice everything for your career. And I think we need less career-oriented men and more cross-oriented men. That doesn't mean you quit your job and you don't pay the bills anymore. (laughs) There's responsibility, don't get me wrong. But what is your career costing you? What is your career costing you? Because if it's costing you, your family, don't sacrifice your family on the altar of career. The greatest gift you can give to your children and to your wife, your family, the greatest gift you can give if you're a guardian, you're a single parent, the greatest gift you can give is the presence of you in their life. That's what your kids need the most. So you may say, Pastor, I'm on on this thing all by myself. That's okay. You got Jesus. You got the word of God. You got your church community around you. That's all you need. Let's go to battle. The greatest gift you can give is yourself to Jesus and your presence to your children. And that's not less than just because the family situation may not be in the way that maybe you want it to be or it was at one time. So don't let the enemy beat you up over that. Paul ends verse 4 by saying to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And here's point of truth number three. Families are the means to children knowing God. You go thousands of years back into the Old Testament. This has always been the way our context today is fathers are the means to children knowing God. But we've got to broaden that because we know our families are so diverse in how they are put together. So whoever is the guardian in your situation, whatever that looks like, you are the means to your children knowing God. you got to know this, church. Keep this in mind. The family precedes the church in the Bible. The church did not come until the book of Acts, Acts 1 and 2. We see the launch of the church. You go back thousands of years in the Old Testament, the family preceded the church. So if you are under the impression that it is the the organization that is the church, children's ministry, pastors, and so forth, to disciple your children, you've completely missed why you exist. We will contribute to that, and that's a privilege and an honor. But God has put you on the planet for your kids to know Jesus. It all boils down to that. Love God. Teach your kids about him. Families are the means to children knowing God. The first place kids should see Jesus is in their dad, their mom, their family. Now, because we live in a broken, sinful world that looks differently for so many people but whatever it is, it's through the family that God has designed for the children to know him. What a privilege. You know, I'm a little selfish as a parent. I I get a little, you know, irritated at times if I don't get to teach my kids something. Probably a little bit of a control issue. I don't know, but I was fishing with my son this weekend and I thought, you know, I don't want anybody else to teach him how to fish. I see him shooting shooting basketball in the driveway, and I don't want anyone else to teach him how to shoot. And from God's perspective, and as a Christian dad, certainly many people other than I will, will teach him about Jesus, but I'm glad I had the honor of being the first. Dads, this is not an obligation. Moms, guardians, this is not an obligation. What an incredible opportunity. What an incredible opportunity. And I'll leave you with point of truth number four. Fathers honor God by inspiring their family toward Christ. That's the way. So if honor begins with honoring the creator, are you inspiring your family toward Christ. So we can broaden that to guardians, whatever your situation looks like at home. If you are inspiring your kids toward Christ, you're doing exactly what God has called you to do. And you cannot be exempt from this responsibility. This is something that moms and dads cannot delegate. You can, but in God's eyes, you can't delegate it. It is on you for your kids to know who Jesus is, for you to promote the things of God. Because as fathers, our actions condone a lifestyle to our kids. And I know that's a lot of weight, but that's the truth of the matter. You cut corners, you lie, you cheat. You, you, if you're lazy on this or that, you're telling your kids, it's okay to do this. That's the same for any adult, really, in the life of a kid. Kids are impressionable. So it's a high calling, but it is one that through Jesus, he can help you with. And for those of you this morning who sit in the room that I used the example of Zacchaeus for earlier, and you say, Pastor, I have parents who aren't worth respecting, much less honoring. Maybe there's been a little glimpse for you into the possibility there. But here's what I would ask you to really pray about if you've had an unfortunate situation at the home. Is to stop keeping score for what your parents have or haven't done. Try to view them through the gospel lens because here's the reality. Because of a broken, sinful world, For many kids in relation to their parents who are ungodly, maybe hate God. I can't know all the situations this morning. But for some of you, it's not a normal parent-child relationship, but you to your parent are a missionary. And what greater testimony could there be than for you to say, you know what, I started to view my parents a little bit like Zacchaeus. And because of that and lots of grace, my parents have come to know Jesus Christ. I read a meme the other day that said the Apostle Paul, if you didn't know, he was responsible for the killing of a lot of Christians before he gave his life to Jesus. This meme said the Apostle Paul, when he died, he entered heaven to the cheers of those he martyred. To the cheers of those he had put to death before he came to know Christ. And the tagline says, that's what the gospel does. So for some of you, your only hope, your only prayer for mom and dad is that they would come to know Jesus. And maybe you can have an influence in that because remember Ephesians chapter two, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But God made a way. Being rich in mercy, he extended love to us. Because at one point, god you realize through the gospel, God wasn't keeping the score for you. But he met you with grace and he met you with mercy. Maybe we, may we be missionaries to wherever he calls us. Sometimes that's hardest the nearer it is to us in our families. But you continue to be generational disruptors by being faithful to God, and you let him do the rest. Thanks for joining us today. I really hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like more information on Crossroads Community Church, you can check out our website at crossroadsconnect.net. And if you are ever in our area, we would love to have you visit us in person at 3003 South Eola Road, right here in Aurora, Illinois. I hope you have a great week and I look forward to having you join us again next week as we continue our series in the book of Ephesians, Walking in the Light.